Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with the Horticulture Hangover Show. And, uh,. I'm a landscape consultant with atxgardens.com. This week I was helping some customers of mine with a new landscape they had installed. They just moved into a new house a few months ago and they had a landscaper come and install some plants, but um, the landscaper gave them a a sketch of the, the plan but uh, the plants that actually got installed didn't match the plan, uh, you know, because of just plant availability. And the original landscaper didn't um, mark up the plan to show what the actual plants were that actually got planted. So uh, they hired me to come and uh, consult with them to identify the plants that they have. And uh, we marked up the plan together, and um, it was pretty good. I could do it even in the winter, <clears throat> even when some of the plants were frozen. Some of the perennials were frozen. I could still tell what they were on the top. I was proud of myself, and I helped them with a big tree that they have in their front yard too. Gorgeous, incredible, huge tree, a uh, live oak tree that um, had the grade raised around it uh, I think before they sold the house um, somebody built a flower bed around the tree and built up the soil around the tree and piled soil up onto the trunk and the root flare of the tree and that's uh, really bad for the tree so um, explained to them how they could dig dig out the trunk to make sure there's no material touching the trunk of the tree. So that's the kind of service that I offer, you know, just answering questions about your yard, you know, trying to figure out what plants you have and how to uh, how to value them. You know, is it something that you're going to like? Is it something that is going to bloom later? Is it, is it invasive? Is it going to be a nuisance? That kind of thing. So... That's how I help my customers at atxgardens.com. And today I can help you if you call in or text me with your questions at 512-836-0590. Give me a call. Any questions that you have about gardening, trees, plants, uh, even grass, you know, if you have drainage problems, all kinds of things. So, y'all, looks like we've got a text message already. Thank you. Let's see. <clears throat> Just got to scroll down here. Okay. It says, good morning. Random question about putting walkway lights in my garden area. Do I need to worry about the light affecting my plants at night and adjust or aim them accordingly? Hey, that's a cool question. Thanks. Um, not 
not really most of the lighting that homeowners would use to light a walkway or something like that probably isn't going to affect the plants. Um, it's usually not powerful enough to really have it will it the plants can tell that there's light there, but it's so dim um, compared to what they absorb from the sun. Uh, it doesn't usually affect them. But uh, it is important for you to make sure that the lights are shining downward and not upward um, for the sake of birds. Um, and this is new information for me. I don't know very much about this, but I know that city lights and um, security lights and uh, definitely lights around your household can confuse migrating birds. So if you can have a shade over the light that makes sure that it points downwards and then that you can turn the lights off when you're not using them, um, that that's helpful for birds because they can get confused by a lot of city light. Um, I don't know much more about it, but I know that um, like the Audubon Society and the um, Texas... Uh, Oh, the parks, Texas Parks Service was asking people to uh, try to turn off their lights at night. So I should look up more about that. All right. So thank you for the question. That's great. Um, <clears throat> and again, you can call or text me at 512-836-0590. My name is Colleen Dieter. I'm a landscape consultant with atxgardens.com. That's atxgardens.com. And a friend of mine gave me a tomato plant yesterday. She grew too many. I never bother growing tomatoes from seed because I know someone else is going to give me some that they have left over. <laughs> and I kind of gave up on growing tomatoes for a while because I... I feel like it's not worth it, uh, not worth the space, the amount of tomatoes that you get from uh, the space that it takes up in the garden. So um, let's see, we've got Keith in Smithville on the line. Good morning, Keith. You're on the air. Good morning. I have a question about, uh, I've got St. Augustine grass. Uh -huh. I've got what's left of the St. Augustine grass mm -hmm. after freezing in winter, but I got a lot of weeds coming up in it. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't know what they are. I think maybe they're broadleaf, but uh, wondering if you can tell me something that would be good to put on it. Do I need to put something on it now or wait? And what should I put on it to help the grass start coming back and get rid of the weeds? Yeah, um, right now, there's nothing that you can put on it to get rid of the weeds. Um, it's just because the grass is dormant now because the weather's still cold and they're cool season weeds. So there are plants that normally grow at this time of year when the grass is not actively growing. So um, there isn't anything that you can do except to pull them or just mow them if they start to get tall. Um, and you can uh, bag them to make sure that you're not spreading the seeds around um, when you mow. And then 
Uh, but it is a really good time of year to top dress your lawn with compost. And that compost. Yeah, oh, so okay. just put a thin layer of compost over the grass. This is a good time of year for that. Um, I like to use poultry, any kind of poultry, either chicken or turkey compost on the grass and uh, just a thin layer, like a quarter inch on top will help because in about a month, the grass is going to start growing when it warms up toward the end of March and April. And then it'll be ready to go with that nice feeding of compost. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for your question. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Now we've got um, Bob in Georgetown on the line. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I've got a situation. I've got an uh, a overhang and the water runs off. I don't have gutters there and I don't want gutters there. Uh, about 20 years ago, I planted some zoysia. We had a new house and I planted it and it grew and it did uh, did very well. I planted it in an area and then it spread and, and, and moved into the rest of my yard. But that particular area, I've got about a two-foot wide strip right next to the uh, to the foundation there that nothing – I've tried a lot of different things. I put compost on there. I transplanted mm-hmm. grass. I, have, I haven't gotten anything to grow there and it's just dirt. Yeah, and I'm wondering about just putting down a strip of artificial turf there, and mm-hmm. how that would go. Sure, um, that's a possibility. You could do that if um, you know, just right up by the house. Certainly, I usually recommend a nice uh, layer of river rock in that situation where the water, you know, rainwater is coming off of the eave of the house and splashing. Um, just getting some nice river rocks and putting it down in that area between the area where it, uh, the water splashes down and then all the way to the house. So you just have a nice strip of rock there. Um, I just prefer the way <clears throat> river rocks look compared to artificial turf, but I think artificial turf could do the same thing. Um, okay, is there anything I need to do below the artificial turf or anything? any prep before I lay it down? Well, it depends on who you talk to. Um, But yes, usually people uh, prep with the artificial turf. I don't know a whole lot about it. I know usually they'll dig out the existing soil a few inches down and they'll put road base down underneath. And then um, it depends on, you know, what you're using it for, then I know a lot of the artificial turf companies will put down sand and like a kind of rubberized pellet, like little rubber pellets. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to be walking on it, I think that's nice, sort of makes it squishy. And then they put the turf on top of that. I've never done it myself. Um, one thing that you do want to be aware of, it sounds like you're doing just a really small area, like a narrow strip. Yeah. That's okay. If you have any <clears throat> mature trees, um, it's really serious problem where people have been putting down artificial turf over their entire yards next to mature trees and then, you know, removing soil and putting down road base and basically destroying their mature trees because of that. But if you're just doing a small area, um, you should be okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Thank you for the help. You're welcome, Bob. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, y'all, that's a really common problem. Um, But we're going to go ahead and take a break here, and we'll see you in a couple minutes. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And uh, got some great texts coming in here with questions. Really appreciate y'all listening this morning. Um, here's someone who texted and said, I have a question about how to prune Berkeley sedge after it freezes. Do you prune those up like you would muley grasses or another type of ornamental grass? Or how would you treat those? So I love sedges. You know, I talk about sedges on the, on the uh, show all the time. And um, basically, I don't do much with them. You can mow them if they really look mm, cruddy to you. <laughs> you know, I don't mind a little bit of color on mine. You know, they get a little bit of a straw color, but they're still mostly green. Um, they're going to start actively growing here in a few weeks, and they will grow up and cover up that cold-damaged um Uh, foliage so uh, what I usually do is if they get pretty big um, they'll get dead leaves kind of building up underneath the plant that you can see sometimes and I'll come in with gloves on and just pull that off uh, if it starts to bother me Um, I have some that are right by my front door and I really never do anything to them. And they just go through their seasonal changes uh, with the way that they look. And so pretty soon here, they're going to start growing and they'll grow up and kind of cover up any cold damaged leaves that they have. So um, not much that you need to do with them unless you really want to. Um, But don't cut them too low. That's That's the number one thing. If you cut them too low... Um, they won't grow back. So don't cut them all the way to the ground. You've got to leave at least three or four inches of plant there to make sure that they can grow back. Okay, thanks for the question. We have Denise and Elgin on the phone. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Um, I have a question. Uh, Thinking about how much water I ended up using last year to keep all my plants alive, I'd like to do more xeriscaping in my front yard and the front yard uh currently has a mixture of weeds bermuda a lot of bermuda uh-huh. crabgrass and uh, saint augustine and i don't really water the saint augustine to keep it alive it just happens to grow underneath the trees sure and uh my tree coverage i've got burrows and red oaks but they are only mid-size they're not very large yet so they don't cover a large area okay the the front yard is uh, about 40 by 70 feet and it um is right now mostly sun and clay soil and how do i go about trying to get this there escaped when i have no irrigation out there um you should not it's not a good idea um if you have bermuda grass you won't be able to do you mean when you say xeriscaping, do you mean like putting down rocks? 
And not necessarily. I okay. think putting putting have le- having less grass to mow and okay. um, less to water. But okay. if you put down plants that are drought tolerant, even yeah. they still need watering. Right, right. Especially when they're first planted, they'll still need watering. But over the long term, um, they won't need as much water as the turf grass would if you were watering it. Um, but if you're not watering it, then you'll end up using more water at the beginning to get them established. And you'll be trading mowing for a different type of maintenance. Um, so you won't have to mow, but you'll still need to, you know, trim and weed and mulch and that kind of thing. So you want to okay. make sure that, you know, that's that you prefer that sort of gardening to mowing. Um, I think it's important for you to, for folks to understand that it's a trade-off. Um, okay. But it'll be prettier, you know, it'll be nicer than just grass. Um, right. And what I recommend in that case is sheet mulching um, to get you started where you'd cut the grass down as low as you can get it and then you put cardboard on top of that, two layers of cardboard on top of it. And then immediately after you put the cardboard down, you water the cardboard real good so it gets wet. And then you put a couple inches of compost and a couple inches of mulch on top of that. Okay. And then you okay. let it let it sit for at least a month. Okay. okay. And then hopefully the grass underneath will die. If it's Bermuda grass, it probably won't die, but you're just slowing it down. Okay. And then after a month of the cardboard starting to decompose and the grass starting to die underneath, um, you can scooch the mulch out of the way and plant your plants. And I really recommend that you plant very aggressive plants that will compete with the Bermuda grass. Okay. And plant a lot of plants close together. Um, okay. So, yeah. So things like uh, Craig's mist flower, um, trailing lantanas. Uh, what else did we, um, shrimp plants, um, things that are real aggressive growers fall asters those are all good things to have when you're when you've got a situation like yours where you have some sun and some bermuda grass and you want to just convert from lawn to bermuda yeah yeah thank you all right thank you for your help thanks denise okay good luck thanks so much thanks okay now we've got nikki in central austin nikki you're on the line Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. A question sort of along the line you were talking, you were just talking about sedges. Yeah. Um, we need something to go along the curb, gets western sun, um, grass is not growing there. I'm looking at sedges, mm. but I don't like the great big Mondo sedges, and it gets to, I'd like to have something that is more defined that will stay a smaller sedge. Is there such a thing? Um, it's tough with a western facing sunny spot. It's real is it real sunny? Well, it's only in the afternoon. The the west the mm-hmm. way the west sun hits it is 
like later. It's like in the afternoon from maybe, I'd say noon, really, noon on. Okay, so that's a really tough situation for most sedges and mondo grasses. It's going to be maybe too hot for them. I'm amenable to something else that would grow there as (laughs) a ground cover kind of thing that we don't have to... um, mow and don't have to keep resodding. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So um, one thing that I've had some luck with in that situation are um, herbs. So things like oregano especially can be really good in a spot like that. I know it's funny because we don't really think of them as landscape okay. plants, but um, oregano can do well with like a really hot, sunny afternoon blast of sun like that because they're mediterranean plants okay so that could be something to try um another similar plant um would be a pink skull cap could handle that too yeah it's called skull cap pink skull cap cap. they're low growing plants you know they're not going to be it's really hard to find anything truly a ground cover that will kind of just creep and spread out the way you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be a little bit um, poofier. Um, okay. But I think it'd be worth looking into those two options to see if there's okay. something you like. Well, I thank you very much right. for both of those ideas. I okay, Nikki. Thanks for your Thanks call. So okay, mm-hmm. bye-bye. Okay, now we've got to go do a break at 8.30. Welcome to Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Now, here's your host, Colleen Dieter. Ah, good morning, everyone. I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. I'm a landscape consultant. I help my customers by alleviating their anxieties about their yards. So you can check out my services at atxgardens.com. This morning I woke up uh, and I had a cactus thorn in the bottom of my foot. Uh, That's no fun and that's just what happens when you're a gardener, I guess. Even though I don't even have cacti at my house anymore. Well, I do. I still have one little one outside. I don't know how that happened, but it was a rude awakening. Uh, Here's a text message I'm so glad to see uh, because I know that you texted with the same text last week and I didn't have time to get to it, so I'm glad you texted again. This says, I have a peach tree, tropical snow variety. It never lost its leaves in the freeze and has a lot of flowers on it now. Is this normal? I have 10 other peach trees and they're all dormant now. So this is a great question. Yes, it's normal for tropical snow to bloom very early because um, it only needs 200 chill hours, which means it thinks it's spring already. So... um, Different varieties of peaches and other fruit trees uh, need a certain number of hours below, uh, I think it's 45 degrees or 55 degrees, I can't remember. And we call those chill hours before they will bloom. So they will uh, usually lose their leaves in the fall 
And at that time, the trees will be filled with hormones that keep them dormant all winter. And in the cold weather, those hormones start to break down. And um, the trees that have more of that hormone in them uh, need more cold before they will bloom. And tropic snow is very low, needs a very low number of chill hours, um, <clears throat> 200 at the most. And we, we usually need around 500 around here um, in Austin is about 500 chill hours. So your tropical snow peach is going to bloom early. And a lot of those low chill hour varieties too, don't, they don't really lose their leaves sometimes too. So they just don't really go dormant. They don't have very much of that dormancy uh, hormone in them. So yeah, so if we get a late freeze, a real hard freeze, there's going to be a light freeze tonight. Um, It'll probably be fine. If we get a really, really hard freeze later, that could kill all the flowers and your tropical snow peach might never make fruit. Um, But the flip side of that is folks who might have peaches that need a lot of chill hours, like really high chill hours, like 800 or 900. And that's worse because then the trees will never bloom and they won't even wake up from dormancy to even make leaves. So I personally would always rather have a peach that has lower chill hours than one that has too many. Um, But the trick really for success with peaches is to get multiple trees with uh, multiple chill hours. So that way you're kind of hedging your bets depending on how the weather is. Um, So I think you're in good shape and you might get some peaches from your tropical snow variety. But really um, with most fruit trees, the first three years that they're in the ground, it's a good idea to pull the fruit off of them if they try to fruit when they're first planted for the first three years because they're still trying to get their roots established and it's very expensive for them to make fruit. And in the long run, it's better for the tree to get its roots established and not make any fruit for the first three years. So I recommend pulling the fruit off um, when they're babies, little tiny fruits, if, if your tree makes fruit and it's not more than three years old. So the third year is okay. It's okay for it to make some fruit, but really the first first two years, three years, you're supposed to pull the fruit off. I know it's really hard. Okay, y'all, what else do we have? We've got, oh, this is a good one. Good morning, Colleen. I've planted a 30-gallon Nellie Stevens holly uh, in a shady corner of my backyard. It gets about four hours of late afternoon sun. Can you suggest something with color, like a bush or a perennial, to plant in front and to the sides of the holly, please? Thanks for your advice. Love your show. Oh, thanks. Um, Sure. I always like shrimp plants. I'm always thinking about shrimp plants. Um, They're colorful and easy to grow. They would be fine in that situation. I I also really like Zexmenia, Z-E-X-M-E-N-I-A. 
It has a yellow flower. Um, all blooms all summer. That's a good one. Um, you could try Turk, Turk's Cap. Might get a little bigger than what you want, but they're reliable. Um, if they get late afternoon sun, they love shade. If they get late afternoon sun, they might start to look kind of ragged toward the end of the summer. And if that happens, you can just cut them down. Um, and if we have a nice long fall, they'll grow back and bloom more. So try those. There's plenty of, uh, you know, perennials that'll grow in that situation. They're just a little bit harder to find uh, at the nurseries and harder to get information about, I think. So that's shrimp plants, zexmenia, and Turks caps. Okay, got another text here. Thank you all so much for the text messages. Um, this question says, they say, hello, I have what I believe is Velcro plant growing in my grass in my backyard. How do I get rid of them? Thanks. Yeah, y'all, this is the weedy time of year, just like we had that other caller earlier who has weeds in his lawn. It's This is a really weedy time because it's still cool outside, so we have a cool season weeds growing, and our warm season plants haven't started growing yet. Um, they're all still dormant, and it's still going to be a few weeks at least before they start growing. So there's a lot of empty space in the landscape and empty space in the lawn where those cool season weeds can grow. So um, Velcro weed is one of them. All It's also known as sticky weed, um, also known as cleavers. And um, it's a native plant. Uh, it's not the worst weed of all. It's just a lot of it. I like to just rake it. I'll just use a leaf rake. It comes up pretty easily. It doesn't have real deep roots compared to other weeds. Um, so I'll just rake it up. Uh, it has a lot of medicinal properties uh, so that you might be interested in researching. Um, I'll make a tea with it now and then uh, for a spring tonic type tea, but uh, it's not for everyone, I know. Um, but that's, that's the cleavers. Raking is the easiest way. And I just don't worry about it too, too much. I just try to pull it as much as I can when I see it. Um, and if it gets really bad, uh, sometimes you can just kind of roll it up into a big mat because it all sticks together. Um, so you can do it that way too. So uh, we're coming up on 8.45 and we're going to go to a break. This is Colleen with ATXGardens.com. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing out there? Oof. It's chilly, and we've got a question here, text from a listener um, that is asking about these single cold nights. 
when there's just one or two very cold nights, is it advisable to cover large potted gardenia plants and put our lemon trees in the shed? Thank you. And I'd say yes. Um, For me, even if it's just one night, um, the plants can get cold damaged uh, if it gets below freezing, you know, and sometimes... Uh, the forecast, sometimes it can get colder than the forecast says, you know, and so you take the risk. Um, but yeah, all that all that needs to happen is for the temperature to get below 32 and for the water inside the plants to freeze uh, in order for them to get damaged. You know, that's what happens just like making ice, just an ice cube. Uh, the water inside the plant freezes and that damages the plant. So um, tonight I'm going to get my husband to bring our lime tree inside. Um, It's going to be cold enough to possibly damage it, and I really care about it, so we're going to bring it in. Um, Gardenias are pretty cold-hardy. I think the gardenias are okay, and the way that plants, some plants, you know, can survive a lot of cold because they have defenses for the cold um, because they're adapted to cold. And so they might have waxy leaves. They might be able to bring sugars up from their roots and push those sugars out into the branches and leaves. And the sugar makes it so that the water inside the leaf doesn't freeze at a low, at a, a higher temperature, right? So it's like antifreeze, basically like uh, water that has a lot of sugar dissolved in it um, takes longer to freeze. So, but some plants just can't do that because they're tropical plants and the citrus, that's the case with the citrus. They don't have any kind of defense against cold because they're not from here. They're not adapted to cold. So I bring the um, citrus inside. I'm going to bring my lime tree in tonight. Um, Let's see. So... Here's another question that they have, the same person has. Uh, They said, our St. Augustine got take-all root rot in the front yard over half the lawn, and we're not sure what to do with it. Any advice would help. Thinking of planting Bermuda seed over that spot and just letting it do its thing. Um, You could try Bermuda seed if if it's shaded, if it's a shady area, um, then the Bermuda won't thrive. you could just keep mowing it and see what all wants to grow there. That's a, the path of least resistance because you'll probably get um, horse herb and stuff like that. The problem with that plan is that at certain times of the year, especially in the winter, um, if horse herb, if you get horse herb coming in and other native kind of little wild plants growing in, um, there may be periods of time where those plants are dormant And then um, it might be muddy there. So it's a tough situation. Um, I always recommend building flower beds as much as you can in that situation Um, using the sheet mulching method that I mentioned to uh, uh, Denise and Elgin um, on the phone earlier today uh, where you cover the dead grass with cardboard water the cardboard down right away and then put a couple inches of compost on top of that and a couple inches of mulch and you've got flower bed 
wait about a month, scooch the mulch out of the way, cut a hole in the cardboard, and plant your plants. Um, so you could try that. If it's a really huge area, you might have to include some walkways to destinations. Sounds like you could use a visit to my website, atxgardens.com and set up a consultation with me because that's the kind of thing I can help you with because it, it's a complicated situation when you have a huge change like that where a big area of grass dies. It can be really challenging. So um, let's see what else. We've got some more text messages here. Um, someone said, hi, Colleen. Heard you say how lights might affect birds. Light pollution also adversely affects insects. Go to Xerces Society website and search for light pollution to see more info about this. Wow, that's really interesting. Thank you. Oh, it's from Steve and Leander, of course. Thanks, Steve. Um, Steve and Leander, my loyal listener. And he says, he asks, uh, and do you think tonight will be our last freeze? Love your show. Well, yeah, I think tonight maybe could be the last freeze, but um, as much as I love the weather, I'm not a meteorologist. Um, and last year, y'all might remember, I was just talking with my friends yesterday about uh, the very late freeze we had in mid-March last year. Oh, we it was bad. Um, so it's still possible that we could get another freeze um, in addition to tonight's expected freeze. Um, so if you've got, you know, citrus or you got your tomatoes in, your early tomatoes, make sure that you have a way to protect them today. It's very windy out there. So make sure whatever you're doing, if you're putting covers over plants that they're really well weighed down because if they're flapping around, flapping around in the wind, that can damage the plants too. Um, so just be ready. Don't put those covers away yet <laughs> after tonight. Uh, you know, wait until at least March 1st. Um, but really March 1st is the last average freeze in town. And um, if you're outside of town at all, it's entirely possible that you could get a freeze up until March 15th. And that's just the average. Um, so that means we do get freezes later in March, you know. So it's possible that we could get more freezes. Um, you know, we've had some really hard freezes this year, you know, but overall it's been warm-ish weather. So I don't know, but the plants seem to think that spring is here. Uh, oh my gosh, I have so many text messages and I'm not going to get to y'all. So sorry, but I will write some of them down and maybe I'll have time to get y'all next week. Um, Stephen Leander, thanks again for your question. And um, I'm so glad. Oh, here's someone who texted and said, my little books are great. Um, so yeah, if y'all get a chance to visit my website, atxgardens.com, you can see them there. At 70 years old, I still have so much to learn from you youngsters. Oh, thanks. My spearmint is growing strong. Is root separation the best containment option since it takes over every planter? Yes, definitely. If you dig those plants up and divide them, 
and replant. Uh, that's the best thing to do. Um, and keep them in planters. Yeah, any kind of mint is going to be an aggressive grower. So thanks so much for your compliments and for listening today, y'all. And I will catch you next week. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com.